0: My clinical trainees and for clinical trainees, this is Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is your resource for all things healthcare business, policy, and current events. In today's episode, we talk about investing for clinical trainees. Your host today is me, Lauren Tronic, and our guest today is actually our very own Dan Arteaga. Dan is an MD MBA, currently an internal medicine resident in Texas, and a lifelong investor with some great personal experience to share. Welcome to WellRounded. rounded Hi, everyone. This is Lauren. I'm here with our very own Dan. Hello, hello. And I'm so excited about this episode. Today we're going to be talking about financial literacy for trainees, basically, about investments and and things like that. And Dan, I'm so excited that you're walking me through this because when it comes to investing, I have the financial literacy of a peanut. So so I'm really excited <laughs> to hear what you can teach me today.
1: I doubt that. You probably know more than you think.
0: <laughs> so Dan, you are an MD, but you also got an MBA. Just wanted to put that out there for people who are wondering, you know, what your credentials are. But I'm just curious how and why and when did you start investing?
1: So I, I'll say I'm currently a resident, but uh, I've been investing for almost 20 years now. In my household, uh, my mother was the one who actually runs the finances, still runs the finances. Me too. And very early on, she decided that it was important for us. You know, I'm the oldest of four. She, was, she decided it was very important for all four of us to... Know what it was like to invest in the stock market, to know what it was about. So, she actually opened brokerage accounts for us when we were like 13, 14 years old. Wow. I knew very little early on. And most of the time, I would just listen to her advice and sit on my investments. And those investments went from small to a little bit bigger to eventually me feeling confident enough to move my own money around, really. Uh, make my own decisions. And I haven't looked back since. Uh, I will say that her doing that when I was 13 is the reason that I could afford an engagement ring when I was 29. So,
0: <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's incredible foresight. Go mom. When I was little, I thought that Charles Schwab was like a friend of my parents. <laughs> so there's a, a little bit of a contrast.
1: I, I, I use Charles Schwab.
0: There you go. So that's how you started. That's how you got into it. Since you were 13, you've been thinking about this. And now you are a resident. Having gone through med school, obviously financial situations for med students are quite unique. So what's the typical financial position of someone who is just starting residency?
1: So what I'll say is that individual situations are going to be super variable, right? Just to start, medical students typically are not going to have much in terms of income, right? Some might be working part-time jobs, but Typically, they're spending more money on their education than they are bringing in through any side gigs. That changes a little bit in residency. So the average resident salary is a little bit more than $63,000 a year. But again, this rate varies highly depending on your level of training. Right. Um, So somebody who's a PGY-1 is going to get paid less than somebody who's a PGY-5. And it's also going to vary depending on your place of practice. So salaries in New York are typically higher than salaries... In Dallas, for example, because the cost of living in New York is higher and the cost of living in New York and Dallas is lower. That being said, most people in this situation have significant debt. So, just to give you a rough idea of those people who borrowed money for medical school, the median debt was $200,000 at graduation. Over a third of those with student loan debt also owe more than 300000 This is according to the most recent data from Medscape. Um, so for most, I'll say the priority will be and probably should be paying back student loans.
0: Right. So so that being said, if most students and most residents do have to worry about repaying loans, when do you think the right time is to start thinking about investing and actually starting the investment process?
1: I would say it's actually never too early to start investing um, and probably the easiest place to invest is in the stock market. I say that for a couple of reasons. First, like anything in life, there's just a learning curve to any process, including investing your own money. Um, and every time you make an investment, so and in this case, every time you buy or sell shares, these are opportunities to learn about trading. Um, so and the more time you spend with your money, invest in the stock market, the more you'll learn, right? you'll have trades that you've made that teach you lessons. For example, oh, you know, uh, maybe this investment wasn't the best investment because I bought when the price was peaking, uh, when the price was too high. Alternatively, you could have a different investment. Oh, I'm happy I made this investment in a company that was maybe a little under the radar, but I knew a lot about their key products and the company has done really well, and, and that made me money, right? So you'll make good investments, you'll make bad investments, and that's a process that just takes time. It's also super important to feel out kind of your inherent tolerance for risk. Mm. Some people, myself included, are willing to take big risks if it offers the possibility of bigger returns. Some people want to take minimal risk and would prefer to keep their money in savings accounts or typically uh, invest their money in real estate, buy a home. Mm. That's the most common form of investing that, that most folks do is buying property. Right. I will say most people fall somewhere in between, and most people are not are not so risk-averse that they bury all their money in the backyard. Right. So that's kind of reason number one. Reason number two is also related to the time that your money spends invested in the stock market. So any investment takes time to mature. In other words, nothing happens overnight. If you see a company worth $20 per share and you buy it because you think its value might increase to $30 per share or or more than that... You need to put your money into this investment, and you have to leave it there, and you have to let time pass. You can look back at share prices for major companies like Amazon, Apple, and Netflix, companies that are part of all of our lives at this point. And these companies and their stock prices have done very, very, very well. But if you look back, at past data, it took years for them to reach their current value. So, putting your money in early and letting it sit there gives your investment more time to grow, more time to mature, and if you're right, more of an opportunity to generate higher returns.
0: So what I'm hearing is basically, it's never too early to start investing, but just thinking about, okay, what inherent risk tolerance do I have? Um, What kind of risk am I willing to take? And then recognizing that it takes time and patience. So even if I do start, like you, you started when you were 13 and it took years and years for, for things to mature and for you to actually see any growth. Yeah. So even even with all of that, what would you say to somebody who is still hesitant to start investing in the stock market? Uh,
1: I think it's totally understandable that that folks are, are hesitant to start investing. Because for most people, this is just like, a, it's like a foreign language. Um, but I would say is that one of the nice things about now is that you can start with much smaller amounts of money than ever before. So most brokerages, these are the companies that allow folks like you and me to buy and sell stocks. They process trades without fees or without commission for the most part. And most do not require you to maintain a minimum balance. So you can put as little in as you feel comfortable investing.
0: But what if I don't have enough money or I'm not willing to invest enough money to let's say buy a full share of a stock?
1: So that's an awesome question most of the brokerages actually allow investors to buy fractional shares. So what does this mean? Um, So if you want to buy shares of Amazon, you look at the stock and you see it's currently valued at over $3,000 per share uh, when we're recording this in February of 2021. You might think to yourself, well, I want to buy some shares of Amazon, but I can't afford to buy even one share. Most of the brokerages now allow you to buy just a piece of one share. So you can make your investment in Amazon or in any other company regardless of the price of an individual share, which is great. So in a world with no fees, no commissions, and the ability to trade fractional shares, individual investors can start trading with as little money up front as they want. So starting with 50, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, totally reasonable. You you could set aside just 1% of your salary. So Uh, For the average resident, that's going to be $600 per year and leave your training with, at the end of the day, hopefully a few thousand dollars invested and a much greater understanding of the investing world in general.
0: Okay. So what we've kind of said so far is it's never too early to start investing. Of course, as trainees, as medical school graduates, as residents, we do need to take paying off loans into consideration. But even with loans, it is okay to start investing and- I think a great way to think about that is what you just said, like, okay, I'm just going to set aside 1% of my starting salary in residency and use that to kind of dip my toe into the investing world. So that being said, we are going to help me dip my toe into the investing world. Never before have I bought anything on the stock market. So I think that we're going to walk me and our listeners through what it might actually look like to set up an account and buy. What it what is the term for buying a stock, Dan?
1: You're gonna you're gonna buy stock. You're gonna buy shares.
0: I'm gonna buy shares.
1: <laughs> you're okay. gonna be a shareholder.
0: I'm gonna be a shareholder. Okay.
1: So immediately before we recorded this, you know, we set up Lauren with her brokerage account through her bank. And so, Lauren, you have your brokerage account, you have money that you put in there to make your first investment. We have to talk about a couple of things first. So the price that you pay for the share, the price per share, this is a reflection of the underlying value of the company you're buying. And the first thing we need to talk about is the market cap or market capitalization. This is the price that you're paying for this company. Market capitalization is just the number of shares that are circulating, that are available, times the price per share. And if you multiply those together, you're going to see, you know, Apple is a trillion dollar company. Another company is a hundred million dollars. Another company is a billion dollar company. And so when you are making your investment, just realize you are paying to own this company for that price. So you have to ask yourself, is this company really worth whatever price that is listed? And that price is the market cap. The second thing we have to talk about is risk. So, no investment is free from risk. For that reason, when you start investing, whether it be $20 or $1,000, it should be an amount of money that you are comfortable losing, even if that outcome is exceedingly unlikely. But let's put some money in.
0: Okay. So, I am signed into an investment platform. You know, the, these are your Vanguards, your. Robin Hood's, your Merrill Lynch's, your etc. We chose one that allows what you told me are called fractional shares, because I only want to spend $50 right now. So this platform that we chose allows me to actually choose the the number of dollars that I want to invest.
1: Awesome. I love it. So we're not going to name the company. But uh, what's your rationale for buying this company for buying a piece of this company?
0: You know, I think that they are doing some innovative things, and I feel like they'll, they'll make some progress in the future. They'll keep growing. Uh, They've already proven to grow, and they'll just keep growing, especially if I invest $50.
1: I 100% agree. <laughs> uh, and this is a company in the financial sector that makes a, a, a popular application that uh, makes our lives a little bit easier. Lauren, how much money do you want to invest in this company?
0: I want to invest... in this company.
1: Okay. So you're going to put in your fraction of the share that you want to buy. Or in this case, you're going to put in, uh, this platform lets you put in the amount of money that you want uh, to spend.
0: So that comes out to estimated, it's basically 0.2 shares. So that's 20% of one share is what $50 will buy me.
1: So our savvy listeners might realize that this means that we're looking at a company that's valued at around $260 per share. (laughs) Um, so you've put in your 50 bucks. I think you can click review order.
0: Okay. And that's, they make it real easy, folks, these these platforms. I got to tell you. Okay. So I placed my order for $50. It's also interesting. You can usually on an investment platform, you can see the history of the stock and where it's been over the last years or months. So, you know, I'm taking a peek. It looks like it's had some ups and downs. Um, but I think I'm ready to buy. So I'm going to go ahead and click buy. 0.2 of, of one stock. Awesome. Okay. Dan, I already earned two cents. What does that mean?
1: Oh my gosh. You are a shareholder, Lauren. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> it's my very first share.
1: Oh, now it's down. Now it's to $49.95. Oh, <laughs>
0: wow. So this is showing me in real time... What's happening? Oh, Dan, I have a question. We're recording this right now at 3:45 p.m. Eastern. What are the times of day that you can buy stocks?
1: That's an awesome question. People can trade starting at 9:30 Eastern time. Okay. And the typical trading window closes at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. There are some platforms that allow folks to trade uh, after hours, and the after-hours trading occurs until 8 p.m., but there can be restrictions placed on those sorts of trades. So the average person is in, is investing uh, during the workday, but during the East Coast workday. And so, Lauren, for you to invest, you <laughs> might actually be uh, waking up at the crack of dawn to place your trades.
0: Maybe I'll just become one of those people. Um, I have another question for you. We were talking earlier about risk and yeah. that the stock market in itself is you know, a more inherently risky place to invest as opposed to something like a house. But within the stock market, there are riskier and less risky places to put your money, as far as I can tell. So something like what I just did is a stock with one specific public company, but I also know that there's index funds that are basically the top 500 companies in the country, and you can invest in that index. Can you explain that a little bit and how that might be a little bit less risky
1: yeah, of course. There are um, financial instruments called exchange traded funds. Um, that's and, an and,
0: ETF. That's what ETF stands for.
1: Yes, that's exactly what ETF stands All for. All right. Uh, and an ETF is basically an aggregate of multiple different publicly traded companies that, um, uh, and you can invest in this vehicle which tracks the performance of these other publicly traded companies. These can be less, well, these are inherently less risky because they are diversified, right? If you put all of your eggs into the same basket. That means that uh, if you put all of your all of the money that you want to invest into a single investment, whether you make or or you lose money off of that investment depends singularly on that one company or, you know, the value of your home or if you're investing bonds, the, in bonds the value of a, a single bond. So, if you spread your money out along multiple different investments, then the risk is inherently lower.
0: Okay. So by investing in an index or an ETF, it's spreading out the investment and lowering risk.
1: Exactly. Okay.
0: Well, I've already lost three cents. <laughs> I'm going to uh, stop looking at, at the real-time coverage of my $50 buy, because, oh, now I've lost four. You know, it's just, this is the life of, of an investor, I guess.
1: I do have one piece of advice here. So okay. I, my, my advice for you now that you've made your first investment is to wait. Sitting there looking at the value of, of your investment minute by minute, hour by hour, even day by day, can be a roller coaster ride. But really, what you're gonna want to know as, as a beginning investor is, is really what is my investment gonna do over the next three months, the next six months, the next year, two years, five years, etc. So I would Wait at least three months after your first investment is finalized to look back and to see kind of how am I doing, right? It might be that this was uh, a winning investment and um, you're happy with the returns you make and you want to sell in three months. It might be a losing investment. You might decide that, uh, you know, I wish I'd put this somewhere else, but, you know, I'll, I'll leave it there for now and I'll see what happens three months later. But I wouldn't overreact to a change in a single day, in a single week. Uh, I would really give your investments time to show you really what kind of investment you made.
0: And then I guess the last question is when should I sell, if ever?
1: That is
0: a whole other podcast. A whole episode. other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's just then we will we will close with that. So I'm excited. Thank you for walking me through my very first investment. It's not as scary as I thought it would be. And I love that you, you know, instilled the confidence that it's never too early to invest. And even as a med student with debt, it's okay to to make, you know, some investments here and there. But um I'm excited about this, and and I hope that this is informative for our listeners too.
1: No, this was super exciting, Lauren. I'm excited for you, and I wish you success in your in what I'm sure will be a long investing career.
0: You know, three months from now, which is the timeline you recommended, I will just have taken step one. So we'll you know we'll we'll look and see how my stock is after I take step one. We'll debrief. <laughs> All right, <laughs> is that a wrap?
1: I think that's a wrap.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is made by Isabel Rosenthal, Dan Arteaga, and Lauren Tronic. Sound engineering is by Tommy Bazarian. And our theme music is by R.O. Shapiro and Micah Motenko. For more episodes and information, visit wellroundedmed.com and be sure to follow us at Well-Rounded Med on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, y'all.